Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 it's lifeline with jesse gestand he's the host of way of grace a pastor and a community leader he's a teacher and an inspiration he's lifeline's own jesse gestand and i do want to welcome you to another monday edition of lifeline you heard the um what do we call him the the advertisement you're a host Jesse Gistand in the house on this very warm, very warm Monday, um, very warm Monday. I mean, so warm that we have to take into consideration that what's going on up north is um, is worthy of our prayers. Yes, it's a warm day, very warm day. And, and I suppose you and I can be very thankful for that. But don't forget, don't forget our fellow citizens way, way, way up north in Reading and all the way back towards us, even over towards Yosemite. Lots of fires, lots of fires. And uh, people are in trouble one more time. Welcome to the Monday edition of Lifeline. The number to reach me is one 888 You know how we do. We we talk about the matters that that we think at least work for us, issues of the world, issues of life, issues that are spiritual in nature and, and biblical in their content. And I really, really do enjoy that with you. So let's see if we can put something together today of memorable, consequent, and edifying content. Well, uh, I, I've been thinking about the fires, having watched the news quite a bit of the day and, and, and seeing how um, they seem to be a concern with everyone, even up to uh, to Jerry Brown. Um, just wanted to remind you, if you're living here in the Bay Area and you are relatively free of all of the toxins and pollutants and uh, micro pollutants that float in the air during that period of time, um, and we don't happen to be impacted by it greatly right now. We don't have an air pollution signal um, uh, presently. We probably will in the next week or so. Uh, but but right now we're good, right? We're we're good right now for the most part. Counter blessings, as we always say, we must do. Um, counter blessings. Thank God for it for the quality of air we breathe because it's one of those. Well, let's say blessings that we often neglect. Take air away for 30 seconds and we begin to really realize how wealthy we are in that um, extremely tangible but almost imperceptive gift of oxygen. So I'm thinking about the people that are living up there who have to use filters to breathe, who have to um, close their windows and can't go outside. And when they do, they have to put on special masks, if not uh, wearing shirts and things of that nature over their faces. It means they are really discomfited. They are um, in a trial and tribulation of sorts that really does require our love and our support, our thoughts, reflections, and prayers. It really does, because it could actually come down here in the Bay Area in no time flat. I happen to live in a home where we have lots of trees in the backyard, and I must say um, 
I have allowed massive overgrowth to occur both on the ground and in terms of the uh, the tree branches, et cetera, in our backyard and even in our front yard. I did some trimming of the uh, trees over my own house, the roof of my house this weekend. A lot of work, boy, cutting at those branches and trying to maintain your equilibrium and, and balance and not become a statistic um, made it um, aching and sore now, but my backyard has approximately, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight major 30, 40, 50 feeters, maybe 50 feet tall redwood trees. And uh, the branches, as uh, those of you who live in an area where redwoods are, the branches are falling all the time, the leaves and um and uh, branches of that tree are all over the ground. And so um, had to get some guys in there, and they're doing work as we speak, cleaning up the yard, just a lot of hauling away uh, debris and branches and leaves uh, having accumulated over the course of the last year. Um, And so I'm keenly aware of that kindling that even my own backyard could be. And we're very close to other homes with large trees as well. And uh, my neighbors and I have been talking about the danger of one spark. It seems to be that there are one or two other uh, post-July 4th individuals living in the neighborhood who want to uh, fire off, um, set off fireworks uh, in the evening. Uh, yeah, it looks good, but ladies and gentlemen, that too is an extremely dangerous thing to be doing when you have massive trees that can set on fire. I didn't know. My neighbor told me recently that um, about 10 years ago, there was a huge fire in her backyard, and she's right next door to me, that also caught on to uh, some of my own yard, and it was a big fire, big fire that took quite a while to put out. So we are needless to say, very uh, weary, very concerned, and very um, alert about that possibility here in the Bay Area. And the weather is only going to get warmer. It's only going to get warmer down here. So you guys be careful in your own homes. Make sure your grass is cutting. Um, you have enough clearance to to um, to evacuate from your homes if you have to. Just be careful about that. We have the privilege here on Lifeline to talk to people across Northern California and beyond, for those of you who listen to us online, um, to, to encourage you to just be responsible as citizens of this planet. Having said that, I do want to uh, ask you a question. And yeah, I'm, I'm taking questions. I'm taking um, biblical observations. I'm taking uh, good thoughts. You know how we do. This is a blessing until it's over with. Um, on this Monday edition of Lifeline, if you're struggling with something, if you've got some matters of a spiritual nature, a personal nature, and you want some counsel, um, we can do that. Be glad to help you around those matters. Here's the question that I'm going to pose. Right now we are working through the beautiful uh, pentatone of the Psalms, the five books of the Psalm. If you don't know that Psalms that you have, that basically is a... Uh, um, sort of intermediator in intermediary between the book of Job, the wisdom book and uh, the major prophets, Isaiah, all the way through Malachi, that massive book that we call a poetic book 
um, that's also richly uh, comprised of what has historically been uh, alleged as songs and psalms, and that's what they are, songs and psalms for the people of God um, originally and uh, primarily written by David along with other of the priests and a few of the special servants of God, Moses and uh, Solomon and a few more. Um, having written that collection of psalms, we are working through the magnificence of God as David describes him. And a word has come to my, uh, my, my consciousness, of which I've been working through for the last couple of weeks. Um, because David has brought it to my attention, making mention of it several times. And because he does make mention of it several times, I thought to myself, what is he saying? And what I want to pose to you as basically an introduction to maybe um, a follow-up question you might have um, as we do these next two hours, an hour and 45 minutes here in a moment. Here is the two questions I want to raise with you. As we simply try to settle down, I mean, you know, our world is a mess. I don't really particularly uh, want to engage you around uh, politics because, well, it's not really much to talk about. President Trump is the pariah. He is the, uh, you know, he he's the punching bag for, for the media, particularly the left. And and the right seems to do be doing all it can to defend him. And in many cases, he's indefensible. Just so now one probably would want to say that if we were thinking about what the president has done over the last year and a half, almost two years now, what has he actually accomplished for us by which we can say, you know, he's kept his word. Well, there would probably be a number of things that he has accomplished by which he's keeping his word that does not really get noted in the media. But those things don't really take an immediate um, impact on your life. And so, therefore, the media really won't give him credit for being radically committed to the primary objective of keeping America safe, which really is the ultimate job of the president. Not exclusive, but ultimate. They won't they won't admit that he has really taken to task all of the rogue nations that uh, have had their way with America on uh, many levels over the last seven or eight, ten years. Um, and he's really putting his foot down and letting them know you're not going to you're not going to have it like you used to have it. And uh, and it appears to be working. Um, that is a major value for you and me. We get to sleep at night right now without the concern of bombs uh, coming overhead from Korea or um, Iran. At this moment, that is the talking point for most of our public media. We're not worried about that. So when you lay your head down on your pillow and sleep and you wake up tomorrow unmolested, undetoured, undistracted, um, that is a consequence of God's control over government to deal with other governments who might mean us harm. So we want to give President Trump and the administration credit for at least holding that end of the bargain up. Um, beyond that, um, why would we want to pour ourselves for the next hour and 45 minutes into politics? No real reason. But here's a really good question I want to raise to you. I want to see if I can stir up the thoughts along uh, these lines. Here's a question that came to me, and it's two. And I'm going to take a break, and I want to hear from you. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let's let's kind of narrow it down to you and me, and God. 
And here are the two questions that I want to pose. And I want you to think about it when I'm on the break. So if you call, I want to make sure your answers are thoughtful and not just, you know, out there in Timbuktu because we really need to be grounded when we talk about God. Um, Here's the first question. It's a word that David has brought up some nine times in the Psalms. It's only used about 20 times in all of the Bible, and that only in the Old Testament. It's not even used in the New Testament. It's amazing. It's not used, not not that the concept does not appear when you understand the implications of the word, but it's not used. You won't see it in the New Testament. So here's the question that I want to pose. It's a two-part question. First of all, is God beautiful to you? It's the word we want to think about and meditate upon a little bit. It's our Wednesday class for the next two um, weeks in our summer Psalm study at 11 o'clock um, a.m. till about 12, 1230. We have a great time. Catch the last two if you want to. Here's the question. Is God beautiful to you? And if he is beautiful to you, if you've ever thought about that and weighed that out and, 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 and you know, um, meditated upon it at length, if God's beautif- beautiful to you as he is to David, if he's beautiful to you, How does his beauty impact your life? That's the question we want to work through a little bit today, along with your other questions and concerns on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Is God beautiful to you? Does that word matter? You can begin to do the search, Google, et cetera, do whatever you want to do so that when you call affirming or denying, I, I want to you know, know that you really labored at it. No, 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 no fluffy stuff in the air. You are a disciple. You are a Bible believing Christian. You know how to open the book. You know how to search words out. You, you're wordsmith now. So when you call, I want to know, has God appeared in your life in any way at any level to be beautiful? And if he has, how has that impacted your life? I'm taking a survey, okay, um, just to be uh, a little bit more prepared for my Wednesday class. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We are um, in the Monday edition of Lifeline. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you'll have Craig Roberts. But today, we are doing a little bit of what we call the fifth quarter after service on Sunday. And let's raise the question: Is God beautiful to you? He's not beautiful to everyone, but is he beautiful to you? And if he is, how does his beauty impact you? one 367 one I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. We're back. The time 523 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I am talking about a particular concept, a particular perspective, a a view of God from one of his choice servants, King David, the son of Jesse, um, who had a very unique um, interest in God at, at a level that God was able to use virtually every aspect of David's life to be a blessing to people um, in the broad spectrum of the humanity of David, his weakness, his strength, his giftedness, his abilities, his, his talents. And one of the areas in which we are delving deeply into Dawid uh, and his life 
um, is in the area of what God had said about David. He was a man after his own heart, and we don't always grasp that particular uh, uh, commentary about David from God as accurately as we ought to. But what God was saying when he uh, had chose David to be the real first king of Israel, for Saul was the people's choice and David was God's choice, and therefore David was really the first king of Israel, the only Judite, legitimate Judite king that would lead to the greater David, the beloved to the beloved. As you guys know, we uh, make sure that everything has its summation in the person of Christ. So when David said, the Lord said, Yahweh said to my Lord, Adonai, sit thou right here at my right hand until I make all of your foes, um, your, your enemies, your footstool. And he began to talk about the consequent of the beauty of Christ. And David used that term several times in the Psalms. The Lord is beautiful. And we are working through that particular contemplation. And I want to do it with you. I've got one line open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One thing we all know about David is that no matter what was going on in his life, even his very dark days of tribulation consequent to his his uh, his missteps and falls with Bathsheba um, and the accumulation of other wives. If you guys don't know, he had multiple, multiple wives, nowhere near his son, but he had many. Uh, and they, they were a problem for him, as would be the case in anyone that would have more than one wife. Even one wife is a challenge for a man, as you know, to have two is to kind of sign up for insanity. But here's what David said, and this particular psalm is rich in that it gives us insight into what God meant by David being a man after his own heart. And really what God meant was this, that virtually at all times in David's life, he was extremely aware that he needed God. Virtually at all times in David's life, he was extremely aware that he needed God. And even when David was put Uh, in prime real estate to be the pinnacle of Israel a thousand years before Jesus, David knew he needed God on the throne as he needed God in the field, keeping the shepherds. He knew that. He knew that. And that would be indicative of a true believer that's really born again and authentically in communion with God. The one thing you and I know is that we what? We need him. We need God. So we sing, I need thee every hour. Every hour I need thee. Um, and so the point being is, but, but, but really is the relationship merely between you and God one of need? Because if it is, I would dare say that the whole concept of beauty does not come into play around need initially or centrally. Maybe in a sort of uh, peripheral way, yes. But. In terms of God's beauty, I'm asking. I got one line open: one triple eight three six seven, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Is God beautiful to you? And if He's beautiful to you, how does that impact your life? You can't extrapolate on that, can't you? You can say, you know, there are lots of things in our world that are beautiful, and if we if we capture a proper definition of beauty right now as we talk. A proper definition of beauty. I mean, a real one, not not again, not the syrupy stuff that that basically says you don't really know what beauty is. Other than it's kind of a common vernacular that we use when we we like something. Um, but if we have a proper comprehension of beauty, 
And we, we say that God is beautiful, um, like we would say certain mountainscapes are beautiful, or the constellations are beautiful, or certain artifacts are beautiful, or certain exquisite works are beautiful. Now, we're close. We're close when we say that, and it's not flippant. Um, but I'm going to ask one more time. Is God beautiful to you? And if he is, how does it impact your life? Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, God made the world and everything in it. You know that. You believe that. He created the stars and the moon and the constellation and our particular galaxy and then the billions and billions and billions of galaxies that are out there, trillions and good, good gazillion trillions that are out there as we are um, somewhat discovering them, and they are blowing our present-day scientists away. The magnitude of that infinite, almost endless, and that word is euphemistic for us not being able to tell the number. It has to not be infinite. It can't be infinite, but we can't count it. If God made it, it's not infinite. Only God can be infinite in the manner in which he functions and acts, and even there we would want to put qualifiers on it when we say that. But the beauty of God, the beauty of God, is not something that most people are enamored by, taken in with, um, fixated upon, think about, and not even talk about. Now, as we're meditating on it today, and I know thousands of you are listening to me, I, I really do want to just let's do some Bible study. If you're not doing anything, you haven't read your Bible in months or weeks, here we go. A Bible study with Pastor Jesse on mo- the Monday edition of Lifeline uh, to stir your souls, to cleanse out your heart, to, to fire all of those synapses in your brain and get you wondering, have I ever said about God that he is beautiful? Have you ever said that? God's beautiful. Like, you know what we do when we see a brand new, pretty, picture-perfect baby? We call them what? Beautiful. Yeah, we do. But I want to ask you, is God beautiful to you? Because he's not beautiful to most people in the world. They're scratching their head. They're cussing him out. The Bible depicts the whole world being angry with God. And if that's the case, if the vast majority are angry or disappointed or, um, you know, frustrated with God, But you find him, along with David, to be beautiful. But why is that? And how does it impact you? It impacted David so much. Listen to these words. And I'm going to the break. I got one line open. I want to know, can we get one more person who wants to talk about why God would be beautiful to you? Here's what David says. Psalm 27, 4. This is what I'm going to be unpacking for for two weeks in our Wednesday study. If you can't make it, watch it. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. One thing, not not ten, one. And that will I seek after. See it? One thing I desire, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life in order that I might fix my eyes That's what the word behold means. Lock in, hone in on, fixate, transfix my mind on the beauty of the Lord. That's what that's what David meant. That's what he meant when he when he when he when when God said he was a man after my own heart. What, What kind of insight do we get from that when David says God is beautiful? I've got two lines open. 
one 367 5329 When I come back, I'll take your calls on the Monday edition of Lifeline. one 367 5329 We'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we're back. The time, 535. I've been talking about, um, if you weren't with us before the break, the whole concept of beauty as is uttered and expressed by David in Psalm 27. He said it uh, quite a number of other times. I'm going to save those for the Bible study because basically the Spirit of God is really calling your attention to something relative to your walk with God. To be honest with you, he really is. I'll, I'll, we'll ferret that out. But I've got two lines open, one 888 If you've been listening, I really do want to hear from you. Um, if you have ever contemplated the term, ever contemplated that phraseology in relationship to God, um, uh, you know, we are human and very pragmatic on a thousand levels. But do you really believe that God wants us in a relationship with him purely out of the mechanistic um, benefits that come with him saving us or providing for us or giving us things? Is that really what the relationship is about? Is it really about the kind of quid pro quo, um, God, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours? Or is it the the kind of servitudinal thing that, um, Lord, I'm doing all these labors and, and I'm, I'm expecting some kind of blessing from it? Is that really what a relationship with God and Christ is all about? Is it not richer and deeper and more profound than that? I've got two lines open, one 367 5329 One of you dropped off, one 367 5329 I'm going to quote one more verse in the, in the Psalms, and David basically said this as well. He said in Psalms 50, after that he said, if I could have my way, I would be in the house of the Lord 24-7 to behold God's beauty. The assumption is God is primarily found there by means of such a unique and specific mediatorial process that David said, if I could have my way, that's where I would be, a man after God's own heart. Look at verse 2 of Psalm 50 with me. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2, and then I'm going to the lines. The mighty God, Psalm 50, verse 1 and 2, the mighty God, even the Lord, El Elyon, El Elyon and the Yahweh had spoken, and called the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof. So David calls him great and mighty and, and, and magnificent and sovereign. That's what Yahweh means. Verse 2, out of Zion. Now, you guys know Zion is the city of the great king. It's where David rules. It's where the tabernacle dwells, the temple dwells in Jerusalem, Zion. Out of Zion. Listen to this. The perfections of beauty. The perfection of beauty, God hath shined. That's what David says. He he draws our attention one more time to an attribute and characteristic of God that constitutes a beauty that you and I want to talk about. One more line open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. So let's go to the phone lines and begin to do our Bible study around the concept. Of beauty. Let's go to line number one and talk with Deborah in Oakland. Deborah, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? I sure can. Pastor Jesse, I think when we reflect the glory of God in all aspects of our lives, to the best of our ability, that glorifies God because that's really a reflection of the glory of God. Right, but I didn't ask that question. 
So let me go back to the question. So, Deborah, is God beautiful to you? Yes, he is. Okay, why? Tell me tell me what, what, what that means. We're talking about God. We're not talking about you or me. We're talking about God. If if God is beautiful to Deborah, in what way is he beautiful to you? What do you mean by beauty and in what way? I'm taking notes now. When I'm, I'm, I reflect his glory by being obedient, then that honors him. That's the wrong answer. Well, I'm going to put it out there to you again. The subject is God. The subject is not you and me. So your answer can't be what you're doing. I'm raising the question, is God beautiful to you? And you say yes. And I'm saying, well, how is that so? What, what makes God beautiful? Not, not, not how you um, respond to that. That will be the next question. The first question is, what makes God beautiful to you? Um, his... Um, his... Uh Beauty in terms of just who he is. Okay, so now we're, we're starting with God's person to Deborah is beautiful. Who he is makes him beautiful. Who he is makes him beautiful to Deborah. Uh, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you one more because you got to actually put some leaves on that tree. We got a, we got a, we got a trunk, but we need some leaves on that because simply to say that God is beautiful and not be more descriptive or adjectival uh, puts us in the realm of, of deist. What makes God beautiful to you, Deborah, the Christian, in terms of his person? I think that just by himself, there is no one, no one like him. And, and uh, I just would love him for who he is. Okay, you love him for who he is because of his exclusivity or what we would call his aseity in theology, that God is like no other. Nothing in the universe compares to God, as Isaiah puts it in Isaiah chapter 40, who can be compared to God. So his otherness to Deborah in terms of his person is such that it becomes for her beautiful. Would that be a good way to put it? That's right. All right, so let me do this, his otherness, because I'm writing these questions down so that my Wednesday class can have a ball. His otherness makes him beautiful. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press you with one more thing. I'm going to press you with one more thing on this depth. And here it is. God's person, his otherness, impacts you in such a way as you're, con- you're, you're defining him as beautiful. It impacts you in what way that might justify his person and otherness being beautiful? Because when a thing is beautiful, it impacts you a certain way. It impacts me because um, God always, we're not cookie cutter Christians. And okay. each one of us reflects his beauty in a unique way that no one else reflects. Okay. So what you are saying now is that God and his person and his otherness is beautiful to you because he makes all of us in such an individualistic way that no two people are alike. Yes, that's right. Okay, so you get to reflect his glory uniquely. I would agree with that. 
I would agree with that. Well, that will be a good start for our class today. Ladies and gentlemen, give Sister Deborah Winterfield a hand for that answer. Thank you, sis. Now, see, you see how difficult the concept is? Uh, This is why Bible study is such a serious matter. Let me go to line number two and talk to a brother. Brother James from the Bay, are you there? Yes, sir. Yes, I am. Okay, so I'm going to pose a question to you. Uh, in the same way I did with Sister Deb, and now I'm looking forward to Rosh and Robert, and we're going to keep this going because I really, I really do want to know. I really, really want to know. Do my brothers and sisters have just an inkling of, um, of, of uh, accruing benefits from meditating upon the prospect of God uh, under the uh, description of beautiful, have you ever thought about God as being beautiful as he is described in the Psalms nine times, in the Old Testament 20 times, and in such rich variety of ways, and particularly by chief servants like David? So it's not that we are dealing with a mushy sentimentality merely about God, but have you ever contemplated God to be beautiful? Have you found him to be beautiful? First, that's the first question. And secondly, how has God's beauty impacted Brother James? Well, if, if, in all, fact, I, if, 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 in fact, you found him to be beautiful. Oh, absolutely beautiful. Beyond beautiful. Okay. To the point where there's really no human language that can even begin to describe it. So I'm going to take a shot at it, you know, the, the best, you know, that I'm able uh, as I meditate on his on his beauty, both visible and invisible. Okay. Uh, I mean, we, we, we see. I mean, of course, we see the reflection of his beauty in everything he's created. We already covered that. I mean, that to me is, you know, beyond obvious. From you know his creation, the heavens and the earth, and all of you know mankind that he made. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, when I think of we're being made in his image, how beautiful we are, no matter what condition we might be in, the way he made us is beautiful. And when I sort of meditate on the fact that we're made in his image, you know, how awesome that just, I mean, must be, how, be, I mean, how much beyond words, you know, uh, you know, is that, you know, and, 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 I, and I meditate on uh, David, a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think about the heart of man, where the text, uh, the text truly tells us, until we know the Lord, our heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? Agreed. God knows the heart. Agreed. God, God knows the heart. So now, once he saves us and we get to, we, we, we get to know him, and then we get to come after his heart. Right. We, 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 we get to come after his heart and just, you know, the, the, the things that he can impart and deposit into us that just, it would just make you make you quiver. I mean, it just it would just leave you there. I mean, in a state of awe. I mean, like I said, it just. It, I mean, there's nothing. There's not a volume of books, a volume of words that can contain, you know, his, his the beauty of his holiness. I mean, being set apart for him. I mean, being set apart for God. God has chosen certain. Individual and, and, and elected them to be the beauty of holiness, to be set apart for God. I mean, where, I mean, where, where He can take you. I mean, it's just like 
we take a person so far away from here that, I mean, you can actually begin to see heaven right here on earth as a believer and how beauty that must be. And all that's a reflection of him, you know, if that makes any sense. So, I mean, it's just so, it's just so profound. And if you sit, just sit there and meditate on his songs and on his word day and night, you just come up with, with even more. If you can just put some, somehow another formulate some words and put some words to it. I think you actually, well, you're supposed to put words to it. So one of the things I, we do in, in what we call being bi- biblically based about God is we maintain a propositional framework for articulating who God is. Um, and and I know you you know that we, God cannot be non uh, articulated. That would be uh, a paradoxical sort of um, um, uh, contradiction to the essence of God being light, <clears throat> which means revelation. That means knowledge. That means understanding. That means insight. That means correspondence. So here's what here's what I'm going to do. You the the way in which you developed and described um, God, uh, James actually would go to the second question, and that is, in what way does his beauty impact you? You you did a very well job, and I think our next caller will affirm that, and the rest of the callers as well. You did a very well job in describing the impactful nature of divine beauty when one is drawn into it by the grace of God, being moved up out of an unregenerate and carnal state into a state of regeneration and therefore communion with the true and the living God. You did an excellent job of taking us from creation to recreation. And I, I utterly appreciate that about you with regards to how to describe it. And I'll, you know, I may or may not see you on Wednesday, but certainly you have already had a precursor to where we're going in in terms of the depths of it. I will say this because I have to take a break. Ladies and gentlemen, when David said, the Lord is beautiful, he was in a certain frame of mind, in a certain context, in a certain place, which mandates that we contemplate God's beauty through a prism that is far more particular and specific than our knowledge of God as creator or otherness or um, uniqueness or um, a city, as Deborah had said. We're going to rein this in as we go through our study so that I can help you remain Christian in your thinking about God. James' contribution was well uh, deserved. We're going to give Brother James a, a, a round of applause, and we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Josh and Robert on the Monday edition of Lifeline, two lines open. I want to know how many people affirm the beauty of God and its impactfulness in your life. Affirming the beauty of God, if you can. I'm looking for people who say, you know what? God's not beautiful to me. Okay, let's talk about that, too, on the Monday edition of Lifeline. one 367 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we're back to time 554. How fast time flies when we are enjoying ourselves. The hour is almost up and we are um, doing a Bible study, um, a biblical meditation on the character of God in some way and form that has prompted us from Psalm 40, Psalm 27, verse 4, where David says, the Lord is beautiful. And if I had my way, I would simply sit in his presence and behold his beauty all my life. And, and I'm asking the question, have you ever called God beautiful uh, and, and why? And, 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 and what is the impact of that in your life? If, in fact, he is beautiful, how does that impact your life? 
Let's go to line number three and talk with Rosh in San Francisco. Rosh on line three. Or Josh, I'm sorry. Josh, are you there? Yes, I am here. All right, let me ask you a question. Have you ever called God beautiful like David did? I can't say that I have. Great. I'm glad you're being honest. I'm great. Hold on now. I'm glad you're being honest. But if you've been listening, have you have you been drawn to want to talk with me about that topic? I do in a way that the other people didn't really say anything. Well, I, they didn't really what? They didn't touch on the way, the direction I kind of want to go with your question you're throwing. Okay, well, good. Let me make sure I, you got the question, because one of the things I don't like, you know what I don't particularly care for, is a person assuming they heard the question but didn't, uh, and therefore would just kind of say, well, I want to restructure it even though I didn't hear it. So I'm asking the yeah. question, um, is God beautiful to you? Yeah, I affirm that. God's beautiful. Okay, good. But here's the thing about here's the thing about that, though. Here, here's the kicker. I I don't know, like... Like, beautiful in what way? Because I, I say this, God created everything. And there are things of natural beauty that can only come from a, a beautiful creator. But my mind goes to the carnal when you say beauty, these standards that, that, that all I've known of beauty. So I can't really, like, I could say God is beautiful, but I can't say the next question that you're going to throw, which is what of God is beautiful to you? That's right. Now, see... Then, then you 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 really should be thanking God for this program today because the reality is that a beauty is a biblical concept that really needs to be thought through, meditated upon, and prepared on the part of the people of God to share with the world. I'm going to make sure I at least share that part with our audience. This is not sort of a mundane or uh, irrelevant or um, ancillary or peripheral topic that we're dealing with, Josh. In reality, may I say this? that if we are evangelical Christians and are really taking God seriously, then we take his word seriously. And the way his word is written, it's written under inspiration. It's infallible and errant, and it's designed to draw us into truth factors about God that does not allow us to employ any other terminology or genre or source of speech and yet be in the framework of truth. So when I said earlier in my opening uh, commentary, Josh, that the term beautiful is used some 20 plus times uh, in the Old Testament, almost 30 times, uh, and, and, and and fairly repetitively by David in, Psalms, in, in the Psalms, that, that means that the Holy Ghost wants us to begin to contemplate, press into, and and know what that means. Now, that you were able to actually say that God is beautiful, and then you began to defer to creation, which means you did exactly what, what the other callers did, and that's because creation is a kind of reflection of God. But you also did something else that I really, really appreciate. You didn't act like you already knew. You also admitted that we have such a default mechanism in our thinking that we often will take biblical concepts and and, and press them through the prism of carnal experiences and carnal mindsets. I really do appreciate that. So help me with how this challenges you. You know, when when it comes to uh, the Lord and my relationship with the Lord, I um I know that I I have shortcomings and okay. and failings, but but 
relationship kind of comes from the personhood that that you you know was mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, the things that the Lord does. Yeah. You know, you could almost imagine. You know, a, a kind-hearted individual, or yeah, yeah. you know, just just someone physically to just come to you and and give you these things, and and in your mind you could you could see and say, wow, this person has such a beautiful heart. I'm not even looking at them, yeah, you know, physically. physically. I'm looking at their at their spirit. Yeah, yeah. See, see, it didn't take you long, man. It didn't take you long at all. We're dealing with analogy here, and and, and really, uh, uh, Josh, I, I so appreciate you because what you aren't doing, which is a lot of people do, they they filibuster, people filibuster, and they really aren't thinking about God much at all. I, my job is to teach the Bible and to communicate to people to start thinking about the most important thing in the universe, and that's God, because it impacts you uh, transformatively in many, many different ways. But you see what you did. You took the the earthly analogy of someone doing good in such a way that it impacted your life and you uttered the uh, nonverbal uh, consent or affirmation that that person was beautiful, right? Yeah. That's exactly what the point that the psalmist in Psalm 27, four is getting at. That's precisely so why do we, the point. Okay. Okay. Uh, so then why, why do we have what is our definition of beauty then what are we what are people working off on okay well see that's why i i wanted to begin the conversation with the assumption that people would begin to think through what does beauty mean now so what you did and and every other caller rather than giving me a denotative sort of uh, dictionary meaning of beauty, which you could do that too. I told you, you could Google it, you could have prepared, et cetera, et cetera. What you gave me was an intuitive, thoughtful, instinctive expression of beauty. So I'm going to give you a couple of adjectives relative to beauty, and you're going to see that you were in the ballpark. But but I definitely would want my brothers and sisters in Christ who really say they know God to be able to affirm with David and utilize the concept, both in terms of a personal subjective relationship with God, as well as because this is really where the concept of beauty is going. Are you with me so far, Josh? Yeah. Okay. Here's where the beauty, the concept of beauty is going. If we get it, this is what, what I'm going to be teaching in class for the next couple of weeks. If I get the beauty of God, right. If I get it right. What I discover about God's beauty is going to impact me redemptively, transformationally, so that when I say that God is beautiful, I will not be defaulting to mushy, gushy terminology that does not actually describe the God of the gospel. Because, see, for us to even say there is a gospel, Josh, is to infer the beauty of God. Because when we tell people we have good news for them, and that good news is about God in relationship to sinners like you and me, we are speaking intrinsically about the beauty of God. Are you following me? Yeah, I I, I get it. The part about... The, the the part about how the gospel, the good news, and 
for us sinners that God's beauty is 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 willing and 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 wanting to forgive us to reconcile with us. You're there. You're there. Yeah. I would only want you to cultivate that field until you become such a prolific and um, uh, variegated uh, and um, in, uh, 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 fruitful communicator of God's word uh, in, in the way in which when people would ask you about uh, virtually anything about who God is and what God does and what God has done and what God will do and what God can do and what God must do. You can call it the beauty of the Lord. You you will be able to say God is beautiful because, and then you will be able to enumerate uh, categorically those behavior patterns on God's part, not just towards you and me relative to his redemptive glory, although that's central. I will be able to demonstrate that God is beautiful in the punishing of sin and even in the sending of men and women to hell who failed to acknowledge the beauty of God in the matters of salvation, that God's people will ultimately glorify God in his beauty of holiness by eradicating the universe of everything that offends God. Now, that level of transformational affirmation may not be there with you and me yet, but the Bible promises that all of God's people will glorify him at the level of his exquisite and perfect beauty, both in his justice and his mercy. So thank you for the call, my dear brother. I want you to continue contemplating that. What I want Josh to do, because I really like Josh. Don't even know him, just like him. Because <laughs> he's honest. See, and, and, and what beauty will do when it comes redemptively in the power of God's grace, revealing itself to you in Christ, is it will help you take the veil down. All Josh was saying is, I don't know enough about God to be actually able to off the cuff talk about his beauty. But he's doing a good job right there. Thank you, Josh. I'm going to take another break. When I come back, I'll get Robert, Eddie, and Arbus. Robert, Eddie, and Arbus. And I'll have one line open as we continue to press in this. Yes, I am being a little bit teasing. I'm not going deep because I actually want you to work with me. Work with, work with me on this. one 888 But I am enjoying myself. I hope you are too. I hope that one day you'll be able to affirm God's beauty biblically, redemptively, scripturally in a gospel way that actually results in God's beauty being transferred from him to you to somebody else in Jesus' name. I'll be right back. 